Good evening, Hi. ladies and gentlemen. Oh, oh, you want to start? You want to start at the same time? Let's go. Okay, let's wait, go. Well, we'll do okay. the intro. Hello evening, and welcome to another pr- episode another of Preview Review with the boys. Staying in on today's episode. Tight. Well, hang on. <laughs> we're just at, we're just on two different pages. Well, isn't that how it works? You put one earphone in, and I'm in that voice, uh, and the other okay, earphone no, is your voice. Okay, now what if we voice? do it like where we swap one word at a time? Oh, okay. Welcome to another show. Period. Is period the word? No, or you... a, I'm ending the sentence now. You have to start a new one. I'm your favorite host who's not Tyler. Ryan. Amen. That's how I end every sentence. <laughs> every sentence with amen. You say so period, I say amen. amen. Got it. Well, that's awkward because I had to say Ryan, but I'm not Ryan. I'm Tyler, and you're Ryan. No, welcome. Like, I'm your favorite host who's not Tyler. I'm Ryan. That's exactly, the whole but sentence. I said the word Ryan. Yeah, but, but I'm you, not Ryan. If you read the transcript, you'll see that your and favorite who is host. The sen- yeah, but who's the sentence? Well, the sentence started with I'm. Who's I'm? You are or I am? It well, doesn't work out. Later on, we'll talk about I'm. Yeah, but that's we're not there yet. <laughs> Anyway, my name is Ryan Toon. His name's Tyler Ellison. We host a podcast called Preview Review where we talk about movie trailers and it's chaotic and fun. And if you're listening this far, we're episode 42 and you love us and we love you. Amen. (laughs) Amen and period. Um, On today's episode, we're talking about the uh, exciting trailers for some upcoming movies, including Disney's Encanto. House of Gucci. Not by Disney. Licorice Pizza. Also not by Disney. Although it sounds like something they could serve in the theme park. Mm. And Steven Spielberg's adaptation of West Side Story. Kind of by Disney. Because it's a 20th century Yeah, yeah, it was a Fox one that then they got bought out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other ones are From now on, we will be describing every single movie in its relationship to the Disney To the studio? Oh, to the Disney. Okay, well, MGM potentially bought by Amazon, who's a rival of Disney- and both Licorice Peach and House of Gucci are MGM movies. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Mm-hmm. Also, it used to be Disney MGM Studios in Florida, but now it's That's Disney right, Hollywood Studios. Right, because it MGM, all comes full no circle, more. baby. They said no more. Um, but before we get into that, Ryan, you have uh, seen movies lately oh, that we previously preview reviewed, and so you need to tell us what you see and what you think. It's time for Ryan's Review Roundup. Cue the theme music. Ryan's Review Roundup. Mm, I do love that theme music. Well, I've seen a plethora of films that we have previously discussed the trailers for. Uh, and the first one up is Dune, the sci-fi epic from uh, director DV, Dennis Villeneuve's. Um, that's how, that's you, not how you pronounce either <laughs> part of his name, but sure. That's why I call him DV. So DV's up like here. Disease. <laughs> hey, man, I can't go out this weekend. I got a really bad case of DV. It's really sandy out in Dune. That's what the movie's That's how all you about. DV. <laughs> so it's a great movie. Or so uh, I've heard. Visually stunning. <laughs> I try to do my review roundup, Tyler. Sorry. Stop talking about I'm your stuck on the DV, DV diagnosis. <laughs> anyway, this movie's uh, visually stunning. The cast is great. The action's great. Honestly, the storytelling at, all around is wonderful. The music's great. The biggest thing you have to know going in is it's only half a movie. 
So if you go in knowing that, but they commit to it up front. The title screen says Dune Part One. Honestly, the even though the director did not know that the film, the studio was going to commit to funding a sequel, he just went with it. Don't you think put Part One in the title screen? I think that's the ballsiest move in Hollywood of 2021. Putting Dune Part One on the screen within the first 12 seconds of the movie, and you're like, oh shit, this is what we're in for. And you get, I don't know, I didn't have much familiarity with Dune going in, but now. I'm a Dune head. I want to know what happens to little boy Paul and his girlfriend Chani, who aren't even dating yet, but I know they're going to. Um, just because of the freaky dreams Paul's been having about this girl, am I right? Um, freaky dreams always predicate a relationship. That's just how it works. <laughs> I know, right? If I haven't had freaky dreams about you, sorry, ain't it's gonna not be happening. Touching hands or anything else. Um, but it got me caring about a character named Duncan Idaho. Like, one of the stupidest names in film Lamest history. Famous naming convention, but best character in the movie. Absolutely. Honestly, Jason Momoa killing it as Duncan Idaho. I love Everyone so does a much. really good job in this movie. I just feel like some characters needed more time to shine, but maybe they'll get that chance in the sequel. Dune Part 2. It's called Tune. We're naming it right now. It's named after me. Thanks, DV. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, my review of this movie is also just DV. Dune. Very good. Hmm. Very good. It's one word. Very good. <laughs> uh, I also saw Last Night in Soho by director E.W., Edgar Wright. Ew. <laughs> yeah, you. You, Edgar Wright. Um, I thought it was great. It's a, very different than a lot of his other films, but there are still thematic elements. Well, not thematic elements, but like visual motifs that are like in his other films and like styles that he's used before that you can see coming through in this new type of movie that he's doing. Um, I thought... The story was encapsulating. I was engrossed. I wanted to know what was happening. When I left the theater, I was like, wow, what a great piece of cinema. Mm. Mm. Encapsulating and engrossed. I love it. Yes, both E words. Uh, I also saw The French Dispatch from director Wes Anderson. Wow. W-A stands for Washington, not Wes Anderson, so we're not going to abbreviate his name. Um, But it was a lot of fun. All, all these short little vignettes. I mean... There Were there other people in the theater falling asleep around me? Yes. Were they related to me? I will not disclose that information. But I stayed awake Steve. the whole time. You can't call him out like that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it was a lot of fun. I thought it was quirky. And honestly, if you like Wes Anderson movies, you probably already know that you're going to enjoy this film. I feel like it's one of like the peak Wes Anderson films. Like If you look at it, you go, yeah, that's exactly what this guy's going to do with that kind of story. And then I also saw Eternals, Marvel's latest film, which has been getting a lot of flack, but I thought it was a fun time. It's definitely not the best Marvel movie. There are a lot of characters and not a lot of them like get a chance to shine. And that's probably because there's too many characters in this movie. Even though it's like a two and a half hour long movie, it probably would have been better as a Disney Plus show. But I'm still excited for the future of the MCU with these characters that they set up in this movie. Yeah, I feel like Eternals is just trying to achieve something really that that's really difficult, which is like, okay, we're starting this new thing, and also we have to introduce the whole team at one time instead of like being able to build like they did like release Iron Man and then like a Thor movie and then a Captain America movie and then like now this is a team up movie. They're like, okay, here's the next eight people you have to care about. They're like, <laughs> let me think about in it. one go. Okay, let me try to name all the Eternals. There's Ajak. That's Selma Hayek. There's Fastos. That's Brian Tyree Henry. There's Makari. I don't know who plays Makari, but it's the uh, the deaf girl. Uh, there's Druig. 
who's the guy from all the A24 films that you see him and you're like, fuck, this guy's going to turn out to be a serial oh, killer. Keoghan. Yeah, but he's not in this movie. He's from in, killing He's kind of nice. Um, there's Kingo, played by Camille no. Nanjianji. Um, oh, Cersei, of course. She's the lead. Jimma uh, Chan. Chan. Icarus is Richard Madden. Uh, Sprite is the kid. Um, what about Angelina Jolie? Oh, I forgot about Angelina Jolie. Her name is Fina. And then there's Gilgamesh. And I think those are all the Eternals in the wow. movie. Wow, ten? Ten Eternals. Plus all the side characters. Well, all the side... Let's see, the side characters, there's Dane. That's Kit, Kit Harrington, And then there's Karin, who's Kingo's, like, assistant. Because Kumail Nanjiani's, like, a Bollywood star, so he has an assistant. Wow. And... Then there's of course the the celestial characters in the movie. There's a uh, the big red one, and the other one that comes at the end. And I don't remember. I think one's called Aramesh. Maybe I kind of don't know. What are all these naming conventions like? Is it just supposed to be like different old world language sounding things? Uh, they're they've been there for thousands of years, Tyler. That's what I'm saying. Like, how did they come up with these? I don't know. But in the movie, they do say the myth of Icarus was uh sprite told the people about icarus and it was kind of a joke because one of the characters in the movie is called icarus and he mm. can fly so yeah wow. so uh tyler you've only seen dune and all we got from you was that it was a dv yeah, you have any dune other thoughts good. about uh dune i liked it a lot i was skeptical going in just because it had a lot to do to like to dune yeah, to set itself up and distinguish itself from other things that it felt very similar to. And I think it did a really good job doing it. And I think it looked phenomenal. I was blown away by almost every shot in the movie. And um, yeah, it was really, really great. And I'm now just, yeah, I'm a Dune head now. I'm invested in where the next chapter of the story goes. Um, and I'm happy that uh, good old DV is getting the chance to, to fulfill that vision and they confirmed the sequel, mm-hmm. and we're going to get to find out. DV also stands for Dat Vision. Dat Vision. Mm. So good. You love to see it. Crystal if, clear. If you at home can think of another thing that DV stands for, uh, send us an email at previewreview at gmail.com, mm. and maybe we'll feature you on the show in I our famous segment, say... <laughs> Letters from the Viewers. I will also say, if like before that in my lifetime, I'm not just flying around in like a dragonfly-inspired helicopter, like what am I doing with my life? Mm. That ship design but you can only get into the dragonfly uh helicopter if you put your hand in the pain box that's not true i know but like what if that was how it was in real life what okay what is in the box it's the the pain but what in just its purest form ouchie like and what kind of pain different pains have different feelings is it like a burning or a stinging it's an ouchie slicey ouchie it's ouchie like, I don't does know. it feel like a hand got smashed with a sledgehammer? Well, do you only feel the pain in your hand? Do you feel it through your whole body? I have questions just about the pain box. Did you see? Let alone the rest of the. Did movie. you see in uh, the Baron Harkonnen's room? There was like a spider creature that had human hands. Yes, I had questions about that. I had so many questions about so many things. They're not all going to get answered in part two, but maybe I will part be three. Will there be a part three? Well, he wants to do a trilogy. Yeah, but. Okay, also... He wants... But there's, like, six Dune books. What if there books. ends up being, like, a Star Wars in, like, 30 years from now? It's, like, Dune, the ninth movie, it might get exhausting after a while. Well... After they've exhausted every single male first name and 
U.S. state name combination. Duncan Idaho. My new friend. Well, I guess there's already tons of those in like real life and also other fictional things like Hannah Montana. Yeah, Robert California from The Office, and Joe Montana is just the football a boy. football player. And let's see. I mean, Washington is already a last name, so that's that one's easy. Mm. Denzel. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Dune Part 16. It's like, please meet my friend Johnny Nevada. Do you think that's why he goes by John David Washington? Because John Washington sounds stupid? I mean, it's definitely possible. (laughs) If Honestly, if I I were him, I would have gone by J.D. Washington. That sounds real nice. Mm. Just like uh, Dennis Villanueves goes by D.V. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. They're not even going to call him by his first and last name anymore. The Oscars no. are just going to be like... And the winner DV. is DV. Also known as Dennis Via Movies. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and just jump into our first trailer of the day, Tyler. Um, we had a lot of fun talking about DV, but today we're going to talk about Ridley Scott. Mm, that one doesn't abbreviate or acronym well, so we're yeah, going to no. drop the bit here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um... Ridley Scott's back at it again. We were just talking about this dude a couple episodes ago. I know. And with uh, The Last Duel. Out. And they're like, they came out like, what, a month and a half apart? Like, yeah. he didn't even try and like front, front load one and back load one throughout well, the year. They just... Do you think he had any say in that? Because they're both Honestly, different studios, no. right? Yeah. And also with COVID stuff, like delays and things, I'm sure that they but, just sort of like ended up falling. But this isn't the first were. time Ridley Scott's released multiple films in one year. No, that's true. So maybe it's just, if you're as prolific as Ridley Scott, you can do it and no one will care. Plus, no one went to go see The Last Duel, even though it's like one of my favorite movies of the year. So they knew one was going to flop. Hopefully this one doesn't. This movie is House of Gucci. It comes out November 24th, directed by Ridley Scott, the guy who did Alien, Blade Runner, Gladiator, The Last Duel. You know the guy. It stars Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Jared Leto, Al Pacino, Jeremy Irons, and Selma Hayek. And it's all about, like, the Gucci... Uh, what is it? Like, the company, but also the family behind the company yeah, Gucci. The, the family that, like, originated and is, like... Well, I don't know if they originated, but the family that is, like, in control of the fashion house. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called House of Gucci, if you don't know, like, all of those classic designers, Gucci, Prada, et cetera, Versace. Et cetera, they're known as, like, houses in, like, the fashion world. Like, the house of mm, Gucci. House really? Of, yeah. I thought it was so just, like, trying to be, like, Game of Thrones. But it's also then, like, flipping that because, like, house is, like, where a family lives. And so it's referring to, like, the family behind mm. the brand. I thought it was trying to go for, like, a like this thinking of, like, oh, House Lannister or House Stark. These are these famous, like, well, that's kind of, powerful houses. I think that houses. actually is where that comes from, is, like, the the, like, whatever, medieval or, like, yeah. That oh, okay. character of, like knowing something is like the house of the last name then like segued its way into like knowing the fashion brand brands as like the house of whatever okay and then and then that's now and then even down lower into like the ballrooms like house like evangelista and pose and stuff like that yeah okay cool i learned something today um well this movie looks like Adam Driver's marrying Lady Gaga. She's coming into the Gucci family, yeah, and she's like, like trying to come up, like drama, some real drama shit going that's down. gone down with like the character that Lady Gaga's portraying was a woman who married into the Gucci family, and then is like, yeah, trying to like exercise some sort of control or uh-huh. like trying to power. take over. It feels like, yeah, I and mean, maybe not take over on the grand scheme, but at least like have her opinion heard and have input. Mm-hmm. And it sort of seems like everybody else is sort of like the bumbling fools that are just a part of the family, and they're like. Why would we ever give power over to you as a woman when, like, 
we're all born into the family and we're, and men, we're men. So we have obviously the like decision making capacity. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I think she steps on Adam Driver. Adam Driver plays her husband who's like Seems like kind of like the nerd of the family, I want to say. And just because like, he's wearing glasses, Tyler. Well, and he just like, like he's not rough and tumble like the rest of them. Like he he's always on the seem, side. He doesn't seem like he's like. He doesn't seem as in the interested, middle honestly. Of like, yeah, or even invested in what is going on with the company. And so, but I think in my reading of the movie, like that's calculated. Like Lady Gaga knows that oh. she, he's the one to marry to get her foot in the door because he doesn't really care. So she can then like kind of step on his toes and like mm-hmm. wiggle her way in because she's not butting up against like a strong power player in the family. Mm-hmm. She's like able to like weasel her way in because he's not as invested in it. Yeah. Does that but make then sense? like she comes for like Al Pacino and he's like the head honcho and he's like, no, you can't do that. Like she would never make it into this family if she was trying to marry Jared Leto's character who's very anti- like yes. animosity there, right? Exactly. And then we find out she's like, Ooh, I'm not really an ethical person. Like, I don't, I'll play, I don't, I play by my own rules. And it looks like she thing. hires a hitman. And then we see a gun. So. She hires a hitman to kill someone who's going to be killed. Is it Selma who's Hayek? Die? How does she fit into this movie? We don't know. We see that she's paying somebody money, but we don't. We only see the gun. We don't see who's pulling the trigger or who's getting the bullet. So but what's then, the story? I could probably Google it because it's probably no, a real no, life no, thing no, that no happened. Spoilers. But then we, never, we always hate it when history spoils a movie, you know? Yeah. I want to watch the movie, and then after I see the movie, then I'm going to Google and be like, okay, what really went down IRL? You know or you mean? could just be like, this is the true fact, and I'm taking everything 100% as truth. I mean, I can't even finish watching a movie without going to that movie's Wikipedia page after watching it. So the likelihood that I'm going to go down the rabbit hole and find out what really <laughs> happened is like very high. <laughs> like 97%? Yes. Okay. But then I think something that this trailer does that's like honestly pretty clever is the very last bit of this trailer is like she's saying she's not an ethical person and she's like stirring her tea with a spoon, which... Jordan Peele has made cinema shorthand for this person's a fucked up white person and we don't trust them. And then she clinks it and it's like, uh uh-oh, I can't trust anyone who messes with their tea like that. I also feel like this is one of those movies where it's like, is Lady Gaga and Lady Gaga and Adam Driver are like at the center of it, but it doesn't feel like either of them are like the protagonist. Like it doesn't feel like anybody in this movie is like you're really rooting for everyone. It's like more of like a succession or Game of Thrones vibe. Well, Game of Thrones, I guess, had a little bit more straightforward protagonist. But like a little bit more of that, like everybody's kind of an asshole or everyone's just doing what's best for their Mm -hmm. own self-interest. And you're just kind of watching it all play out. In well, a more, like, neutral sense. I feel you know like what I mean? Lady Gaga is the protagonist in the fact that, like, we're following the story through her eyes and through her right. footsteps. Right, but not but like, so that we're going to agree with everything yeah. or, like, root for her in every case. Or, like, she's the good guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, like, protagonist in the fact that, like, central character, but not protagonist in the fact that good guy. Yes. Precisely. Yeah. Which I always love. I love a good, like, sort of, like, neutral, like, gray lens of morality uh, in a movie because I think that's what makes it interesting as an audience mm-hmm. to view a person's actions and not be like, okay, this is white hat who I have to root for all the time. And this is black hat who I have to root against. And sort of like every action and interaction, you can sort of be like, okay, like this is what was good about each person. And this is what's fucked up about mm-hmm. each person. And you just sort of have to like see everything with a lot more nuance and yeah. like on the whole. Yeah. And something cool about this trailer is that it has like, it's totally eighties aesthetic, like the music, the fashion, like even the set pieces, like it looks like it was pulled straight from that time yeah. period. The first trailer was like the Blondie, uh, 
Heart of Glass, mm-hmm. which is like such a good needle drop for the trailer. And the second trailer is The Sweet Dreams Are Made Eurythmics. of These, which is so great mm-hmm. as well. And I don't know. And then it's like, it pulls in obviously the fashion and costuming, like these slick ass, like mm-hmm. ski suits as they're skiing down the mountains yeah. and shit, where you're just like, Ooh. oh, it's so good. <laughs> so I read that uh, Lady Gaga actually like worked with a like uh, ac- accent coach to get her Italian accent. Apparently, Jared Leto didn't, and Ridley Scott doesn't care. Like, he let them choose whatever they wanted to do. So Lady Gaga's over here trying to be as much authentic Italian as she can, and Jared Leto goes, It's me, Mario! <laughs> like, uh, it's very, like, it's very weird, like, watching the trailer, because, like, the accents aren't consistent with their, through all of the characters, but I don't think that's going right. to mess up with, like, the story or the drama I don't know much. if it will either. I also feel like, if you know, if you go to Italy, like... People have Some people variants. probably have different accents. Do you think anyone sounds like sound Mario? Al- I mean, maybe. I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, I don't think it's like... You're not expecting everybody to have the same accent. And so I also think maybe the way Leto's, like, portraying his character as, like, maybe a little bit more, like, outlandish and obtuse. Mm-hmm. Like, having that exaggerated accent helps to characterize that. Like, that's kind of painted over for the lens of the film to have him be sort of, like, more flamboyant in that sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas, okay. like... Lady Gaga has to do maybe more of the like more like emotional like heavy lifting in the movie. Well, and she's so the central character. Having her be like a more realistic persona of like this woman that really existed mm-hmm. is like a little bit more helpful because we're like seeing her on screen all the time. And so if she was like the central character and also still being like, it's a me, <laughs> like it would just Peach! be so <laughs> so okay. off putting. We're changing it. The Mario movie, your new cast is Jared Leto as Mario, Lady Gaga as Peach, Adam Driver, you're uh, Luigi, Al Pacino is Bowser, Selma Hayek is Daisy, Jeremy Irons is Wario. We just translate the House of Gucci cast over to the Mario movie. And Ridley Scott's going to direct the Mario movie now too. Okay, honestly? (laughs) No, just kidding. I don't want to see that in my life. But would you watch the, like... Wait, House is that live action? No, it's animated. It's voice, right? But House of Gucci's live action. Yeah, I know. I, and I'd watch House of Gucci. The trailer. Me too. That's why we're talking about it. I don't know if I would watch Ridley Scott's Mario. No, though. I don't know. I mean, maybe just out of pure interest. Honestly. If I if you told like, me Like if you found out we were if we found out he was doing it, we'd be like, wow, that's funny. We just made a joke about that on the podcast. Uh-huh. We have to go see it. Okay. Time for a choice. If you could only see one. The real movie House of Gucci or Ridley, <laughs> Ridley Scott's, Scott's Mario. Mario. Like, it became a real movie. Oh, God. And, like, it was the last day they were both showing at the theater and you could only buy a ticket for one. Which theater are you going into? I feel like I'd see House of Gucci because I would want to appreciate the good movie more. Because the bad movie, I could just garner, like, everything I needed from it just through, like, online meme culture. Like, I could see the screenshots and, like, the jokes about okay. it and get the gist. But I would want to, like, appreciate the good movie. I honestly think I would go into Ridley Scott's Mario. Oh my god. Because, like, I've seen movies that are, like, great before. And yeah, I I love great movies. But this is an oddity that should never <laughs> exist. But it, Abomination. It, I have well, to that's see what we do. it. You go see that, and I'll go see House of Gucci. And we'll compare notes. Got it, got it. Okay, perfect. Well, speaking of animated fair, Tyler, the next film on our docket is Encanto. Oh, yes, Encanto. This movie comes out November 24th and is directed by a team of Byron Howard, who directed uh, the Disney movies Tangled and Zootopia, 
as well as Jared Bush, who was a co-director on Zootopia, but this is sort of the first time he's a real he's a big boy director, with, like the, his big boy pants on as a director. This film features the voice talents of Stephanie Beatriz, John Leguizamo, Dan uh, Guerrero, Angie Cepeda, and Wilmer Valdrama. And this movie is so the premise of this that we see laid on the trailer is many years ago, this magic candle blessed our family with this huge house that has sort of all magical things mm-hmm. and like everything moves and like has a mind of its own, like the drawers open on their own and blah, 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 blah. But it's like, like it's a, a, magical, a nice magic house, not house. like a spooky house. Yes, but like cool. And it like helps you with the dishes or whatever yeah. type of thing. But not only do we have this magic house, but also every member of the family that's born here, like, is born with some sort of, like, supernatural power. Or, Except for Mirabelle. Yes. The protagonist of this movie is, like, the one person in the family who, like, doesn't have a power. Obviously, it's Disney's, like, 99% chance that, like, she'll develop a power by the end of the movie. or like The power was power the is. friends we made along the way, Or it's Tyler. something like that. We'll see. Wait, so which one do you think it is? Do you think it's... I really don't think she'll the have movie, a power. I'm firm. I don't think she ever has a power. She'll just come to accept the fact that she doesn't have a power? Yes. Because I'm firm on the team of, like, she'll develop that her... She'll come to believe that her power is, like, something else. Maybe it's not as, like, cool, Ooh. but it's, like, something... Oh, like, like she's a good to love, or dressmaker? She's a good listener or something oh, like that. Oh, okay. Because, like, she's the only one that, like... Her dress is different than everybody else's dress, too. It's, like, handmade. So maybe she's just good at dressmaking? I mean, I feel like they would tell us that. That doesn't feel like a thing. It's something she's going to discover along her journey in the movie. I just don't know what it is yet. I but I'm like pretty sure she will. With the more modern Disney movies, like... They've been more okay being like... Like subverting the expectations, special and that's right? okay. But maybe now is that the expectation? I don't know. I don't know. How is she an Anna or is she an Elsa? Anyways, let's back it up. We got two into the weeds there. So all these families have different special powers. Like one's like super strong and... One can I talk to animals. One one power is just that they're perfect. Yeah, I didn't get that. Like, like she was pretty and she could like swing on a vine. Every, like I think it's just one of those things where it's like it's almost like it's kind of like a funny joke. Like in any situation, no matter what they try to do, they still look like flawless and effortless and beautiful. Like what? Was oh, that's there like a, a, there's a character in that like a, a good luck charm, like Domino in X Men Two or not X Men Deadpool Two. Yeah, exactly. Or like that. wasn't there a character in a sitcom or something like that where it's like. No matter what, you try to take a bad picture of them, but they always end up looking like amazing oh. in the photo. Do you know uh, what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I think it's. Is that like Barney on How I Met it Your Mother? It sounds like a How I Met Your Mother guy. Yeah, I think that's How I Met Your Mother. It's something like that. So uh-huh. that's the. I, I feel like that's the premise is like. Because the thing we see is like she like floats down through the air and then she like. Like flips her hair glamorously and she's like knocking over things in the background, but like it doesn't matter because she looks glamorous. Mm-hmm. It's like that kind of gag. Um. But then one day, the magic goes away. <laughs> the magic, like the magic house, starts like crumbling for some and, like, reason. Something Isn't it green the candle breaks? breaks or something like that. I don't know what happens. If it's it's unclear. I don't know the inciting it's incident. Vague. But basically, now our main character, who has no powers, is the one that needs to go on the mission to like reignite the magic and bring the magic back mm-hmm. because everybody else in is the like house freaking is out. going to lose their powers. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know why you send the one non-special girl to go get the magic back because she's used people. to not being special. The other people aren't used to not oh, being no, super rely strong on their yeah. powers. So, so her real power is being normal. Yeah, the whole movie is basically a commentary on like privilege because it's like when you're so privileged, then you don't. When you're losing your privilege, you don't know what to do with yourself. When do you ever lose your privilege? I don't know. I don't know if that's In a thing. This, maybe they're just like it's like a allegory. Okay. But like, you know I mean, I don't know if I'm ever gonna lose my white privilege or my I guess male not privilege. Like, not like losing it, but like 
when you're so accustomed to having privilege, then when you're confronted by your own privilege, it makes you like freak out and like, you know. Oh, and then you turn into one of those people that are like, white privilege isn't real. Yeah. So this whole movie is about like power privilege isn't real? I think so. And she's trying to say, yes, it is, bitch. Yeah. She's saying, (laughs) you guys would be helpless trying to get the magic back because you'd be so used to having superpowers. I, a normal person who have been aware of my standing in life, am able to like achieve a goal because I know my myself. Okay, maybe. I, I don't, don't I don't see it, but maybe. I think Disney's setting their sights high on this one. And I also still think that she's going to have a power by the end of the movie. And I'm going to put my money it's on It's a that. bold choice to make a movie about privilege starring a completely Latinx cast. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> With music by Lin-Manuel Miranda. We didn't even talk about that. Oh, yeah. Lin-Manuel's out here struggling, Tyler. Lin-Manuel is grinding for that Oscar. As soon as the pandemic hit, he was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to spend the next 18 months trying to figure out the only ways... That I can achieve Lin my Manuel EGOT. came out with four movies this year, all which, all of which are like musical films. We got Vivo. We got In the He's Heights. the Talking Monkey. Didn't see it. Don't know if it's good or not. It has a TikTok sound. It's on Netflix. I've been wanting to watch it, but like every time I go to it, I like, you know, I was literally watching a movie on Netflix the other day and I chose to watch the shitty Christmas rom-com the, over what it. What I get from it, or at least like have heard is like, kids like it and so it seems like it's one of those like oh yeah kids will enjoy it but like, like Coco maybe it's not one of those things that's like for kids and adults and universal like you know the disney movie so it is like Coco melon that's what i'm thinking. johnny johnny we'll yes see. papa lin-manuel yes papa um in the heights in the heights yeah and he's in it and he did an original musical mm-hmm. so but i don't know how that would shake out with like well, in terms of him getting like nominations for the music and stuff i don't know maybe if he helped with the screenplay or like do you get an oscar if your work is like the thing that is adapted from if it's best adapted screenplay i don't know yeah. but I, f- I feel like he might have helped I feel like he has some writing credit there somewhere, right? He's got to. I mean, I'm sure he worked it out to where he would, because that was the mm. whole point of that movie getting made. Unless he gets Best Supporting Actor. <laughs> As the Piragua guy? Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, so we got those two. Now we've got... Tick, Tick, Boom. Called? Tick, Tick, Boom. His that was directorial debut. Last week. With Andrew Garfield and, you know, live action. He's directing Netflix the movie. movie again. And then now Encanto, where Disney said, hey, make us some more music because you killed it on Moana. You almost got an Oscar, but sorry. La La Land, you won the Oscar for La La real Land, this time. La La Land yanked it out from under Moana. But what if know. they went up on stage and they said, this is wrong. Moana, you won Best Original Encanto Song. Encanto could be a contender. I don't know because it's not a good sign when they don't put the music from the movie in the trailer. There's no, there's no, like, they're not singing the, like, it's kind of in the background a little bit, like, mm-hmm. the choral part, but, like, you don't see the characters singing it, anything in the movie, I'm, which is, like, yeah, that's a little weird, because normally, like, La La Land trailer, you see them singing, Moana, you see her singing, like, that's, like, a but normal thing. Maybe this movie doesn't have, like, diegetic music. Maybe the music is just, like, background music. Is it? I don't know. I thought it was a musical. I don't know, like, the honestly. characters sing. Because, like, it's not. they've had Disney movies like that before, where all the original music isn't, like, sung by the characters. Right. Like, it's even been nominated for Oscars before. Like, The Emperor's New Groove had an original song that got nominated for an Oscar, but that movie's not a musical. It's not, but the opening musical number is sung by a character on screen. That's true. But that's not the that one part. that got nominated. That's Which not, one got nominated? It's called My Funny Friend and Me, and it's sung by Sting, and it's, like, during the credits. Oh, okay. Oh, so it'd be more like a Tarzan. But Tarzan, some Tarzan, of that is diegetic. Wait, no, none of Tarzan is diegetic. Yeah, 
None, they don't. Shabana, oh, well, Shabana, yeah, Shabana. that that one song. But like all the music that has lyrics is. Yeah, that's true. Right. So I guess it could be like more that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of music in Disney movies and the Oscars, I thought it would be fun to play a little game. Wait a second. Are you telling me that all the topics we covered talking about the trailer? Created a perfect segue into the game that we have scheduled to play after we talk about this trailer. Yeah, it was just serendipitous. That seems unlikely. No, no, it was all natural. We didn't plan any of it. Okay, I believe you. Thank you. I lied. Um, so this game is called Did That Disney Song Win the Oscar? So basically what I'm going to do, Tyler, is I'm going to give you the title of a Disney animated film. Okay. And then you will tell me if... There are multiple steps here, so still keep track. Stay with me here. First, I need to know, did that movie win for best animated song? Second, I need to know which song won for best animated song or which song was nominated. And here's the rub. Some of these movies had multiple songs nominated. Mm, I see, I see, I see. So when I ask, did it win? You can give me yes or no. And then which song was nominated is the next question. And that could be one song it could be two songs mm, okay, 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 but okay, here okay. here here i know i see your stress in here so when i tell you the movie i'm gonna tell you how many songs were nominated uh, I got you, how got about you. that that's a deal that's so a I'll, bargain I'll so i'll say like moana right did right. that we win the oscar that. we know it didn't because la la land right? yanked it out but here's the fact only one song was nominated do you know what one it was it's how far i'll go of course obviously it wasn't shiny tragically um <laughs> but i think we're all set i think we're all ready to play the game you set? You ready to play the game? Let's do it. I was right. Okay. I'm going to go in reverse chronological order here, Tyler. Okay. We're going to start with the most recent film going to the least recent film. Okay. First, I'm going to start with Frozen 2. Did that win an Oscar for Best Animated... Or for Ooh, Best Original Song? I'm trying song? to recall watching the Oscars. This would have been nominated like within the last year or two. Right? When did Frozen 2 come out? 2019? 2018. 2018? Maybe 2017. No, it wasn't 2017. I think the music of that movie is good, but was there another like live action or like more important movie that won the Oscar over it? I'm going to say I don't think it won the Oscar. You are correct. It did not win the Oscar. But do you know which song or which song was nominated even? There was only one though. There was only one. Then it had to be the um ah what is that? What's it called? What's it called? Um I can hear you, but I won't. That's the one. That's the one. What's it called? I'm trying to get my head. Um, you're right uh, there. Into the unknown. Into the unknown. Nailed it. Did it. It only took you 20 seconds. <laughs> um, you're correct. It was Into the Unknown. It did not win the Oscar. And Do you know what one said? Yeah, I'm, I looked it up just now because I figured that would be fun to look up. The winner, it was 2019. You were right. I was wrong. Um, it was I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man. That's right, the Rocket Man, mm-hmm. because they wanted to give Elton the Oscar. Yes. Okay, next, we're going all the way back to Princess and the Frog. Did this film win for Best Animated mm, Song? I'm fairly certain this movie did not win the Oscar. You are correct. But which song was nominated? And quick, there's actually two. There's two. Okay, I think one of them had to be the one... Uh, What's the one that she sings? In the, it's like the I Want song at the beginning about the restaurant. That's the one. That's um, the one. And then the other one is like the Down in New Orleans. Like yeah, it's exactly called Down in one. New Orleans. Yeah. But what's the other one called? It's the... Um, Do you want me to hum it for you? Would uh, that help? Got no time for messing around. 
Yeah. I'm almost there. Yeah, almost there. That's it. And neither of those songs won. What won in 2009 was The Weary Kind from the film Crazy Heart. Don't know the song or the movie. Crazy Heart's that one with a. Honestly, Jeff I would have given it to right? I'm Almost There. That's almost a fun there. Song. Good. Yeah, right. All right. Next, we're going back to the 90s. Back in the 90s. No, it's not the group love song. It's the Hercules song. Did um, it win? And there's only one. I'm letting you know now. Uh, It has to be Go the Distance. It is Go to the Distance. But did it win, Tyler? Did it win? Um, I'm going to say. Wow, the last two have been no's, so I'm t- tempted to say yes, but I feel like there might be another thing. But was there other musicals being made in the 90s that would go against it? I'm going to say it did win the Oscar. I'm sorry, Tyler, this did not win. Darn, what won instead? In it the was 90- 1997. The song was My Heart Will Go On from the oh, Titanic. Oh, Titanic, of course. Exactly. It was tough. Tough competition. I guess that's true, because best original song... It doesn't have to be from, from a, from a musical. musical. Yeah, it's just like any original song written for a movie. Exactly. Okay, so, so you could be going up against like a Bond theme song or like any of that shit. Um, we're going, we're staying in the '90s for this one. All right, we're talking about Aladdin. Did it win for best original song? Oh, it had to win the Oscar. I'm gonna it say it did yes. win the Oscar, but there were two songs There's nominated, two, right? I think one of them has to be "Friend Like Me." "Friend Like Me" is nominated, and then the other one's got to be "Whole New World." That's what won the Oscar for You're sure. You're right. It's you got 100 percent on the money. "Whole New World" won. "Friend Like Me" was also nominated. Wow. <laughs> Which is that kind just of... That made me really want to watch Aladdin again. I love that movie. You it's know what's so upsetting, good. though, is Friend Like Me was co-written by Howard Ashman. A Whole New World was co-written by Tim Rice. Oh, so Tim so Rice beat out Howard team, Ashman. Team beat out. But this was Howard Ashman's last chance to win an Oscar because he had died earlier from AIDS that year. Oh, shit. So he lost in post-mortem tragedy. But we're going to go a little bit farther back. Just the year before, where Howard Ashman had an actual chance to win even though he was still uh dead i think that year too. did you just tell me that this one doesn't win he the had Oscar? a chance to win i didn't say you know you have a chance you can win you cannot that's always a chance you said that was his last chance though i, th- it's okay. I thought i thought aladdin was his last chance which it was but he didn't win there right and now here's the year before with beauty and the beast did howard ashman take it home then home to the grave with beauty and the beast hmm Beauty and the Beast definitely won the Oscar for mm-hmm. sure. Yes, it did. And there were three songs. Yeah. And they're all Mink and Ashman, so he won. Oh, so he won. Yes. Here. Okay, okay, okay. But which ones were nominated and which one actually won? Um. Okay, I think... <sighs> Tale, I believe... Like, Tale is All This Time, Beauty and the Beast has to be in there. Beauty and the Beast is in yeah. there. Then I think Be Our Guest yes. would have to be... Mm-hmm. And then I don't think they would choose Belle, the opening number. Um, what else would they choose? Tales of the Time is be- be- is Beauty and the Beast. Then Be Our Guest. I guess I'll just say Belle, the opening number. You did it. That's it. Oh, that's it. was it. that easy. Okay. <laughs> I was like... I felt like I was missing another like important pivotal like emotional song in that movie, but maybe I'm not. Oh, I guess Gaston would be another good choice. Or but... the mob song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or... yeah. But no, it was Belle. The obvious choice was there all along. All right, Tyler, wow. we're down to our last film. I mean, that song is great. I need six eggs. That's too expensive. Lyrical genius. Hey, it was uh, not enough to win the Oscar, but it was enough to be nominated. Yeah, and it's an honor just to be nominated. Exactly. And we're back to our last song choices of the, our last movie of the day 
or for this game at least <laughs> just get to it my guy <laughs> um it's 1989's the little mermaid Ooh. did this song win okay. the oscar absolutely 100 percent without doubt in my mind this won the oscar okay and there were two songs nominated only two. Oh gosh i would have thought there would be more okay and guess what it's both it's mankin allen or Alan Menken and Howard Ashman again so he got to win and he was alive for this one so that's cool okay it's gotta be part of your world but then did they go kiss the girl under the sea I think it's part of your world and and uh, under the sea which one won part of your world part of your world was not even nominated no way really Mm -hmm. is it under the sea and kiss the girl it is and under the sea won yes Wow, it the big like, like the ballad yeah. wasn't nominated. That's right? so interesting. And now it seems like the big ballad is the only one that gets nominated, yeah, and it's exactly. the only one that wins. I but mean, Under went, the Sea is like an incredible. They Disney went for song. the fun like reggae Under the Sea. Song, well, Kiss the Girls right? also like a ballad, but but still, it's not it's the big more one. Like, right? It's more of like the plot driving plot, and it's almost comical song because it's like the whole thing is like he really wants to kiss her, uh-huh. but he won't do it. But part of your world's like the emotional, like, right? oh gosh, that's so surprising. And they're both Sebastian songs. That's so, su- there you see her. Right? Sitting there. The Academy the loves Sebastian. Wow. That's what we've learned today. You know I mean, that means, you know, high, ho- high hopes for. For the remake on Disney Plus. Yeah. Who's playing Sebastian in that one? I'm not sure. Is it Titus Burgess or was that a fan I hope it was. Let me see. I'm going to. No, it's David Diggs. Ooh, that's fun. He's uh, already got award love. We're on our way to Oscar City. But would it be Oscar or would it be Emmy? Because uh, isn't it going to Disney Plus? Um, <laughs> wait, sorry. I have to interrupt this because mm-hmm. Veronica just texted me. My Whoa, girlfriend is currently babysitting. Texting. My girlfriend is currently babysitting. I'm only reading these on the episode because they're related to movies. You wouldn't <laughs> read her text on the episode? And she just said... She's babysitting for um, a family right now, and she's hanging out at their house. And just said, "I'm watching my octopus teacher." The film that I liked that movie, the documentary, that was fun. Uh, best Oscar, Oscar for the documentary mm-hmm. last year. And then a few minutes after she said, "I'm watching my oct- octopus teacher," she just sent, "Crying." It's a great movie. <laughs> like it wouldn't have been my choice for best documentary last year, because I I actually got the chance to watch all of the best documentary nominees last year. But, like, honestly, it's a good movie. It's emotional. Well, speaking of underwater... Little Mermaid. Under the Sea. Wow. Yeah. Oscar Let's get winning. out of that water, though. Let's get over to, you know... We're going to stay in that era, though. The late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. And we're going to go over to the San Fernando Valley. That's like the 70s, no? Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? It's the past. <laughs> it's not wet it's anymore. It's not the present or the future, so, yeah. And it's past. licorice pizza. Mm, yummy. You're not supposed to eat it, Tyler. Darn. It's a movie. It sounds yummy. You can't eat a movie. Watch me. You wouldn't eat a film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Licorice Pizza comes out on November 26th. It's directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. You know the guy. He did Boogie Nights, Inherent Vice, and more recently, Phantom Thread. There will be um, blood. He won for that. The Oscar. Yeah, that's right. There will be blood as well. Uh, stars Alana Haim, Cooper Hoffman, Sean Penn, Tom Waits, Bradley Cooper, Benny Safdie, and Maya Rudolph. Um, this movie looks kind of like just a little, you know, I love this term, slice of life film, right? Oh, it's a pizza. It's a slice. A slice of life. <laughs> and that life is a licorice pizza. Which is a vinyl. 
because all this movie is all about sort of the music behind it. Like, not, I feel like that's the idea, but not, I didn't feel like that in the trailer, you know? Well, I mean, because there's only one song in the trailer. It's a good song. It's not like, you know, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where they, like, track it with multiple different songs from the era. Mm-hmm. That trailer is really good because I like how they do that. And it shows that, like, that's using the music to set the, the time of... That's 2019, year. though. We're here in 2021, and we're talking about the Pizza Man. But this movie also does the same thing where it picks one song and sort of says, like... This is setting up the, like, general tone of the mm-hmm. era. And it's uh, Bowie's Life on Life Mars. Life on Mars. That's so a good. great song. I guess um, it would be the 70s or maybe the... Is that 78? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Late 70s. Yeah. Um, basically, though, it's Alana Heim and Cooper Hoffman. So Alana Heim is one of the three sisters who formed the band, the rock band Heim. They're really But not great. in the movie. No, that's the This isn't a biopic. Actress. She's playing a, just a character. Um, and Cooper Hoffman who the actor is the son of the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is also an incredible actor. Um, and and it so, kind of looks like him. That's yeah, how genetics these work. two characters, and they're both sort of like what? Like in their teenagers, teens. late teens, like maybe 17. I think he's like younger than she is. I feel like, like she's, she's like early 20s, and he's maybe like late teens kind of thing. Oh, really? That's what, I guess that's that kind of makes sense. But like, I was also like... Not like too far apart, like 20 and 17. Like that okay. kind of vibe. I was thinking more like... 15 and 17. No, I think he's older than that. Okay. And she's not in high school, is she? I don't or know. Or is she at the school with him? I don't know. Anyways, they sort of have this relationship, and I think we just kind of follow them around, like, all these different little, like, misadventures and things that are happening Like, in he their likes lives. to be in musicals. She yeah, likes to hang out with him and his actress. friends. They hang out together. They lay on a waterbed together, because that's a thing that you did in the 70s. Um... And they meet people that are, like, popular in that era, mm-hmm. like this guy who dated barbara streisand played by bradley um, cooper which it looks like an insane performance from bradley cooper <laughs> and, and i'm like here for it cars for some reason and they're also like getting involved in like this running from the cops too because they're meeting this guy that's running for office and they're i don't know helping or hurting his campaign i don't know what they're getting up to but, it but it's all fun. happening to these like riveting piano chords and david bowie vocals and it's like cutting around mm-hmm. to them and they're like great emotional and he's infatuated with her and she doesn't know if she wants to be like in a relationship with him like yes but he's reaching and she's exactly like he's the reacher she might be the settler we don't know if that happens but we hope you know yes. classic americana love story yeah it feels sort of like we mentioned this movie earlier so i just have it on the brain but like la la land it's like you know up-and-coming actress jazz pianist they're passionate about their own things but they meet and their worlds collide, and they both are, like, involved in each other's going-ons. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the same thing, but happening in, like, a different part of the world at, like... A different, a different time, time period. period. And it's similar and to that kind of they're thing. They're younger, like, yeah, and... It's yeah. not a musical. And exactly. Just they're like La La Land. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's the, like... It's the classic love story of, like, should we or shouldn't we be together as we explore, like, mm-hmm. the different things that are going on in each of our and lives. And they're both set in Southern California. I'll give you so that. So it's not a different part of the world. It's a very similar it's part the, of the world. It's very So that similar. goes on the list of similarities, not differences. It's true. If you're keeping a list at home... Move Mark- that over to the other <laughs> column, please. I would like my score to be accurately represented here. Um, you know what? It's a fine analogy. I think it works well. Maybe I just haven't seen enough romance movies to compare it to something more similar, but it feels 
you know, I in that like... vein. And the performances look outstanding. That's what's motivating me. It's like the like, like the visual style and the musical style and also the performances. I think it's really cool that we have Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman who are like newer actors? performers and involved in the industry, but not necessarily like actor stars. But now they're and the they're, marquee names. Exactly. They're leading the movie. And then we have the likes of like Sean Penn. Sean Penn's and, in this? Um, Bradley Cooper and Maya Rudolph like supporting in the movie but not necessarily like being the leading names oh my gosh sean penn's in this i thought that was jeremy renner in the no jeremy Renner's not in this oh my gosh i don't know if that makes me more or less excited now i think it's great that sean penn is in this movie and i i think it's great that it's like he can be in the movie and not be like the marketable face for it like that's what i think mm-hmm. is cool about this is it's like really leveraging the unknown status well not really unknown i mean it's a famous person's son and like a a big musician star. right but you know they're unknown to the silver they're unknown for far. these skills yeah exactly and yeah, so yeah, let's yeah. they're trying to give them a chance new. to show show off what they got I and i think it's, it's cool. cool that paul thomas anderson's getting a chance to work with cooper because like he 100%. was so close with his dad right yeah i think that's really cool and i also like like what i was saying is leveraging these characters instead of cut like they could have cast you know there are other popular young yeah. actors right now. We could now. have had Lily like Bobby Brown or and, like Saoirse Ronan uh, Timothy or Chalamet and exactly. Saoirse Ronan, right? That's just Lady, Lady Bird, Bird again. but this is kind of like Lady Bird. Gives me that vibe yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but Lady Bird, I feel like Lady Bird's less of a romance. It's not really like That's true. she interacts with boys, but the movie isn't based on her interaction with a boy. It's just like a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. We're really following her story. And it's particularly about her relationship with her family, which I don't really get from this trailer. Which no, is I didn't why I see any La La Land consideration and not Lady Bird. Plus, Lady Bird's in Sacramento. Nothing like San oh, Fernando. Yeah, that goes over a different <laughs> part of the world for sure. Okay, okay, okay. But this looks like a lot of fun. But I don't know. Similar to Lady Bird, Lady Bird was definitely like sort in of the a past. tribute to the peer to the location of Sacramento. And I feel like this is also very similar to like tributing it to mm. the San Fernando Valley. Like you're not in LA, but you're sort of LA adjacent. Yeah. Like it's a very specific context. Similar to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well, musically motivated and Ooh. geographically motivated of and like both the center, set in the past. center of LA. But this just sort of removes it like that little itty bit to be like sort of associated Mm -hmm. with LA but you're not like in it yeah I don't know this trailer doesn't give you a lot plot wise but it gives you a lot vibe wise right the vibes are immaculate beautiful I watch it and I go this looks like a fun romp I want to go see this like who are these people they kind of look familiar oh it's because I know his dad and I've seen her on the cover of an album like okay let's give it a try and I I personally want to give it a try. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also cool because it's like a... Th- I like that it can be Alana Haim just like... She's an actress in the mo- in this movie and it's not also like featuring a songs by Haim. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it can be her own thing. I mean, I do like it when like musicians show up in movies and it's featuring songs by blank. But I agree that it is cool that she's like, I'm just going to be an actor. Like I'm not going to be Lady Gaga singing Shallow. I'm going to be Lady Gaga killing someone in the house of Gucci. Exactly. Right? She's exactly. skipping the first step. 100%. What a year for uh, singers and musicians turned actors. Whoa, is this the year of Woman in Pants Part 2? <laughs> They're both wearing pants in both their trailers. This is true. I also love, I-, I saw a meme recently that was like um, showing how like Kristen Stewart and Lady Gaga are apparently like front runners for like Oscar contenders. Oh, because of Spencer? Spencer and House of Gucci. Mm-hmm. And then somebody was like, imagine like when we were in middle school, people telling us that like Bella Swan and Lady Gaga are going to be like Oscar winners and wow. like contenders in the future. Like, would we have ever predicted this turn for either of their careers? I'm not sure. Lady Gaga. Well, same thing for Haim. When I listen to, you know, 
their first record, I didn't think like, mm, featuring future Oscar nominated actress Alana Haim, mm-hmm. but definitely well, possible. I think if we were back in like 2009, Lady Gaga nominated Best Actress in Bad Romance Music Video. <laughs> Honestly, her music videos have and continue to be phenomenal. I haven't seen a Lady Gaga music video since. But I don't Bad know Romance. that the skills of like being in a good music video translate to being like in a good movie. But sometimes the but f- she's skills, making it work. Sometimes the skills of directing a good she's music video can mean sure. you can direct a good movie. I like don't know. Spike Jones has directed a lot of music videos. This is true. This is true. And I love Spike Jones movies. Yep, yep, yep. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know who else I love their movies? Who? Steven Spielberg. This is a great segue, Ryan. Thank, thank you, you for thank that. You, thank you. He is directing another movie that comes out this year. And it's kind of like a big music video, wouldn't you say? I would say that it's similar to that. Yeah. It's a musical where people sing and dance, and that's what you do in a music video. Yeah, and it's on screen. Yeah. Filmed yep. with yep. a camera. Yep. This is... <laughs> I feel like an Oscar introduction. This is... You know, like when they yes. describe the plot? Yes. <laughs> the big music video! <laughs> There's an incredible creator on TikTok that, like... Does this where like she's describing the plot of a movie? Oh, and, like, I've seen her. The most yeah. obscure, or not obscure, but like you know, like artsy fartsy, artsy way. And then it's like this is Ratatouille. <laughs> yes, but this is not Ratatouille. This is West, is West Side, Side Story. Story. West Side Story comes out December tenth, and it's directed by Steven Spielberg. You know the dude; he's a legend. He's directed Jaws, Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, E. Motherfucking T. Jurassic Park, Jurassic Goddamn Park, and the cinematic masterpiece Ready Player One. Yeah, that's his most recent movie. Unfortunately, you know his recent stuff has not been, I will say, up to par to like the seventies, eighties, nineties. Yeah, but I think Spielberg. Ready Player One but is still he's fun. He's still a phenomenal director, and he's also an Eagle Scout. Did you know that? No. Yeah. But you know what I did know about Steven Spielberg? What? Is that he's directing West Side Story, starring Ansel Elgort, yep. Rachel Zeigler, mm-hmm. Ariana DeBose, uh-huh. Rita Moreno, she's uh-huh. back, and Corey Stoll. Yep. You know what they say about Rita Moreno? She's just a girl who decided to go for it. Yeah. They made a documentary called Rita Moreno, Just a Girl Who <laughs> Decided to, to Go, go for, for It. And I think it's the worst title of a movie I've ever seen. I'm like, that's a good I book title, it, but, I but not a good movie it. title. I kind of you know? also love it. It's on Netflix, and I saw my mom watching it the other day. But um, but anyway, it's West Side Story. If you don't know the story of West Side Story, it's about uh, this one guy from one side of the city falls in love with this other White. girl from the other side of the city. Puerto Rican. And, uh-oh, the whites and the Puerto Ricans, they don't get along. And, you know... Not modern day because it takes place in like the fifties of New York. It was the modern day when they wrote it. A modernized retelling of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Whoa. Girl from one family slash part of town that has like a deathly feud with the other family side of town type of situation. But they fall in love. And then what do we do? Because we love each other, but our families hate each other. We go to and war. How do we love each other when our families hate each other? And uh, you know, it's race war the musical. Whoa. Well, it kind of is. Like, there's a line in this movie. The kid goes, every time I turn around, I see people taking jobs and they're people that I don't yeah, like or something Yeah, being taken like. over by people I don't like. Right. It's about these white New Yorkers that are upset about the, like, Puerto Rican, quote unquote, invasion of their city. And they're not happy with it. And so when one of their white boys falls in love with a Puerto Rican girl, they're like, how could you do this? We hate those people. Mm-hmm. Who are you? Friend or foe? And I do feel like... Okay, when West Side Story, like, the original musical, and maybe even the original movie, like, came out, Mm -hmm. I feel like a little bit more was presented with this... I mean, it's still bad, but it felt like it was presented with a more neutral lens of, like, 
isn't it bad that both of these families or groups of people hate each other when these two people should just be allowed to be in love? Mm -hmm. But I feel like putting this movie out in this day and age makes it really hard to root for, like, the white people? Yeah. Like, I would never... I mean, like, I'm not saying that the white guy can't fall in love with the Puerto Rican girl or that she can't fall in love with him. But, like, the Puerto Ricans have a very valid point to be like, what are you doing? Those people hate us. They want to kill us. Because of what we look like, yes. why would you want to be involved with them? And so I feel like it's but just also it's like, hard to uh, like breach that. Like I do want them to be in love if they love each other, but also like your brother's got a point. Well, I get what he's saying, but then like yeah, be in love, but then like maybe you want the Puerto Ricans to like change their views on this one white guy. But like, there's no way the, you can empathize with the other white people in exactly. this movie, exactly. Right? You can't be like, hey, they got a point. She's brown. That's not cool. No. Who the fuck's going to say that? <laughs> exactly. So, And I don't know. Maybe I need to re- go rewatch the original. I don't know if I can find the original stage production. They have a Fathom Events coming up but, for, um, with a TCM's own Ben Mankiewicz. I should go watch it because I want to know. Maybe that subtext is there in the original where it's like, yeah, the white people like aren't really someone to root for. But I don't know if that is there. And I feel like I in know. today's day and age, it'll be really hard to oh. set that story Without I have that. it on DVD. We, you can come over and watch it. All right, let's we'll find do out. Because not the stage production; it's the it's movie. Really, I mean, I obviously the story I think is going to be gorgeous. The not the story, the music and like the the way it's shot and the dancing. But I just have an issue with like how is that theme going to be like breached for the modern audience? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I feel like it's really challenging. Yeah, and Spielberg may just take the sort of like classic old Hollywood like. Nobody should hate each other because these two characters love each other. And then I feel like that's not going to be, like, super satisfying because it's it's hard to, like, empathize with that yeah. standpoint. You know what I think is really interesting about all the marketing of this film, though, is that they just tease you. They don't show the big dance numbers. They don't nope, show they don't. the songs. It's like Spielberg. You get, like, the softest little notes. Uh-huh. None of the, like, big exactly. performances. And, like, like you were saying with Encanto, like, is that an issue? No, because we know what's going to happen. We know this movie. So it's not an issue. It's just a little snippet. It's just a tease. Yeah. It's like Spielberg knows what he's doing. Even like with the people editing the trailers, he's like, don't show too much songs. Yes. It's just like when I was making Jaws. Don't do too much shark. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really clever. I think I I enjoy and I appreciate that element of this marketing because we sort of like, we're already bought in because we know West Side Story. Yeah. And so we know what we're going to see. We don't need to give it away on the sc- on the screen. Whereas, like on the other hand, you have something like in the Heights, which had never been adapted to film before, and it was just a musical, and you had to sell audiences because it was like, what is this going to look like on screen? It's so true. in the in the trailer, they showed like these big dance numbers and the big like vocal performances. Well, there's a whole trailer so for like, In the Heights that's just like the first half a of a musical number. number. Yeah, so you were like bought in and been like, okay, like that's something I want to see on screen. West Side Story, we don't need that. Captain Spielberg, Captain he knows Spielberg. what he's doing. He's and riding he knows, this ship. He knows that you got your tickets to come into the theater and see that shit on the big screen. And you know what? It's working. And hey, yeah. I mean, I'm interested in seeing his adaptation at least to say that. Like, you know, am I super hyped on seeing a new West Side Story? No. But will I go see it? Maybe. I, I'm probably going to go see it. Yeah. Right? It's not like... Like, and the songs are iconic, you know it's, it's and I selling. definitely want to see what Ansel Elgort does with the, like, whole snapping gang routine. Does he sing? Maybe that's why they don't show the songs in the the trailer. Maybe he's just he What if it's just god-awful? What like, if this is cash all over again? They spent all the money, and then they're, like, watching it in the room, and they're like, these guys kind of suck, though. How do we sell tickets to this movie without, like, how do we get people to come see this? 
And that was the answer was to not show the music in the and in then the movie, people the like us will think they're brilliant for it, but really they're brilliant for not showing the shitty singing. That's what we need to do. Get a huge budget to film this music musical with just the cheapest actors possible that can't hold a tune, Ooh. and then we just like set it up like it's going to be this incredible musical. Well, we have to do like a known musical though. We yeah. have to get the rights to like rent or something. Oh my god! Well, the movie was already not that great. So. I like the movie. It's good. It's good at like getting across the story of like what the story of Rent is, but watching Rent the movie is like not the same experience as seeing mm. Rent the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but you get the gist. Exactly. Well, that's the same thing with West Side Story's trailer. We get the gist. We know what's going on. It's true. It's true. And you got Spielberg's name on the marquee. Who's not going to show up? Precisely. And I mean, ask all the people who didn't show up for the BFG. I but do think it's that's... interesting that like Spielberg is resorting to like uh, adaptation really not even just an adaptation like if they had never made it it's a remake of a movie like the musical has been made Mm -hmm. into a movie before and this is a new movie of the musical well he's always said like throughout his whole career that this is like something he's wanted to do but apparently yes that's what i was leading towards was apparently Mm -hmm. this is something that he's been wanting to do and so maybe he's fulfilling a vision that could be cool i mean see how it goes at this point just let steven spielberg do whatever he wants right he made et come on exactly and that's what that's the thing that's why he can do bfg and ready player one and Students will still be like, you want to do West Side Story? Okay, here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Any other director that has a track record, like the recent track record that he does, well, doesn't get honestly, that opportunity. Ready Player One made like $800 million. Yeah, but making money and being like good movies are not the same thing. But they are in the eyes of a studio. That's true. That's true. Honestly, the money might be more important. That's Ain't capitalism, that baby. Ain't that the truth? Anyways, speaking of director remakes and, you know, studio funding, mm-hmm. uh, this game, we're going to play a game now. That's got what it. I do in this case is the you didn't. segue. Perfect transition. Yeah, 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 yeah. we got it. Shut up. Um, <laughs> so this game is basically what would happen if other famous directors remade other classic movies. Ryan and I are going to pick out of this bucket. We got a bucket here. All of the preview episodes, if you listen to our podcast. Don't uh, spoil it. It's a different episodes. bucket. Wink, wink. Um. We have the names of four directors and also the names of four classic movies in this bucket. What we're going to do is we're going to draw one of each um, and we're going to pair them up. So like this director is adapting this movie, this director is adapting that movie, this director is adapting this movie, and that final director is directing this other movie. And then we try to pitch those movies. As we pull them out, we're going to try and describe what we think this director's vision for this adaptation would look like. And then once we have them all set, we're going to try and rank which one of these uh, fictional potential adaptations by these directors would be the best and which one would probably be awful perfect depending on how these correlate i mean i think we could draw these in a way knowing what we put in here i don't even remember so knowing what we put in here i think we could draw these in a way that like makes sense and all of them turn out like okay but depending on how we draw them out it could also be like all of them are terrible <laughs> so we'll have we'll, to see we'll how see, this we'll goes see. okay so are you gonna grab like one and then i grab I'm gonna, another one i'm gonna dra- well what if you grab a yellow one and I okay, grab a pink I'll one? I'll grab the yellow ones are the movies and the pink ones are the directors. All right. So, okay. How about you tell me yours? Because you got yours. No, you. I think it's better than the movie. We're going to see an adapta- a remake of this movie directed by this person. That's what I'm saying. So you say yours first. Oh, I have the movies. That's right. Okay. <laughs> I thought, we just went I over this. Up. Okay. <laughs> okay. The first movie is a remake slash adaptation. So it could be, it doesn't have to be a remake of like, the original movie not shot for shot for yeah real. it's just like a new, a new imagining a yeah. of that story mm-hmm. so this is a new adaptation of the wizard of oz wow. directed by 
Cinema's Quentin Tarantino. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, obviously, we got Dorothy out there. The trees come out. Instead of apples, they got machine guns. And they're saying the N-word. Um, and Toto's played by Samuel L. Jackson. I feel like the <laughs> thing to do for this would be to be have it be more like a... Where it's not really like a fictional Oz. And it's more of like an urban... like. Kind of oh. like they did with The Wiz, but, like, The Wiz is still, like, a fantastical land. You're talking about, like, this is like a Yeah, like, a gritty, like, Oz is just, like, Harlem or whatever. Okay. And Dorothy's, like, this girl that's lost and, like, needs to take down this, like... Kingpin of Kingpin crime? Kingpin was the Wicked Witch. You know what I mean? Like, okay. that kind of thing. Okay. Where so... it's, like, a modern, like, allegory of the story of the Wizard of Oz, but it's mm-hmm. taking place in, like, a very, like, realistic I world. can't even imagine the Scarecrow saying Tarantino dialogue. Yeah, I have no idea like, how this shakes out What does out that sound like? Like, you know, people always got brains, but me, not so much. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, I think his character works the best with the Tarantino dialogue now that I think about it. Okay, we'll go for Cowardly Lion. I'm a scared little pussycat. <laughs> it doesn't work, <laughs> but the scarecrow kind of does, though. Okay, when the Tin Man goes, I'm rusty. <laughs> I don't know. How do they do the Wizard of Oz twist, though? The great, powerful Oz. Oh, gosh. And who... Okay, wait. Tarantino's got a set cast of actors. We got, like, Brad Pitt, Sam Jackson. Um, who else is always in his movies? Um, Steve Buscemi. Buscemi. Yeah. Uh, Leo. Yeah. Uh, Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman as Dorothy in her 60s? <laughs> I don't um, know. I kind of want to leave this one behind. This is like a nightmare pairing here. I don't all like right, this All right, moving all. on. Getting the next sheets. All right, this next film is It's a Wonderful Life. Aw, Christmas classic. Directed by Tim Burton. Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> so, we're keeping it black and white, first of all. Because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... And everyone is just, like, hollowed, hollow-eyed. <laughs> yes. And you know how It's a Wonderful Life, everyone always thinks of that movie and they think of the part where he, like, kills himself and they're like, no, look at all the wonderful things. Mm-hmm. That's only, like, the last third of the movie. Yes. But in Burton's movie, Most of it's just his life that's, story. like, that's the 70% of the movie. What I think would be cool with this is Tim Burton, because Tim Burton's directed stuff that has a little bit more, like, you know, realistic, isn't quite as, like, Burton-esque. Mm-hmm. fantastical. Yeah, and so... And he's done Christmas before. He can kind of do that. Yeah, so what I think you do is the beginning portion that goes through, like, the life of George uh-huh. Bailey growing up, that is, like, shot like a more traditional standard mm-hmm. movie, sim- almost similar to the original movie. Okay. But then when he tries to kill himself and Clarence comes mm-hmm. and is showing him what life would look like if he was never born, mm-hmm. all of a sudden... It goes Burtonized. George, George Bailey and Clarence look the same, but everybody else looks like all Burton-esque with Ooh, like the deep hollow eyes. I kind of dig it. Looks like creepy Coraline-y type like of Like big vibe. eyes, right? Yes, exactly. And that's how you know, like, it's not just creepy that he goes to see his wife and she doesn't recognize him and says, uh-huh. get away, but also because she looks like a fucking maniac doing this. I think I'm that kind of actually cool. excited for it. Who we got? Who's George Bailey? Johnny Depp? Kind of has to I be, mean, right? Yeah. And I think, like, he has the vibe for it. Like, think of, like, Johnny Depp when he does the more, like, sort of, like, smooth operator, like businessman kind of look. Like, public enemies. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, that could be a George yeah. Bailey bank person type mm-hmm. of thing. And then who's uh, Clarence? Uh, who else does he work with a lot? Um, Helen Bo- Helena Carter. We gender swap it. Clarice. Not bad, actually. Not I could, bad. I could, and I could it's just it. a Sweeney Todd reunion. But Aww. no music. 
Well, they sing Old Lang Syne at the end. It's true. So it could be, that could okay. be a musical number. I'm actually kind of digging it the more we talk about it. All right, let's When I first drew one. Tim Burton, I was kind of like wary because you said it's a wonderful It definitely, life. I don't want to give away the rank at the end, but it definitely outscored Quentin's Wizard of Oz for us. For, for sure. sure. All right, this next one is a remake of Sunset Boulevard. By Christopher Nolan. Ooh, this, I actually kind of like this. I'm kind of intrigued too. Because Christopher Nolan can like do a character drama. I mean... As lo- like, yeah, it's a little less like Tenet and it's a little more like The Prestige. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yes. Like and it doesn't, and it, it's kind of got a twist. And it's a little like, twisty. There's an aging actress uh-huh. uh, who's played by, who's a big Christopher Nolan actress. There's not really a big well, actress. Well, he he's not one of those directors that like works with Marianne Cotier. He uses her in both The Dark Knight Rises and Inception. I think Marianne Cotier works better not as the aging actress, but as the like other screenwriter that he goes oh, off okay, and okay, works okay. with on the side. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um... Let's see. Well, yeah, it could be anybody. Meryl Streep. Like, that'd be kind of cool. Meryl yeah. Streep and Nolan in a film of Sunset Boulevard. I'm down. Sunset Boulevard is actually one of those classic movies that I just watched for the first time recently. Oh, you've and only ever just since seen I've it. seen it it's recently, great. I've been like, this is one that could easily be remade today. Yeah. And be like really, really good. And, and who's so, the, who's the, what's the protagonist? What's his main dude's name? I don't know the name. But you know the guy from the pool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm trying to be vague for yeah, people yeah, that yeah. haven't seen the movie. But. Uh, that could just be anybody, like Robert Pattinson, yeah, right? Yeah, it almost works better as like a nobody because that's sort of the uh-huh. whole premise is like he's this like failing Hollywood writer, yeah, that then just like gets lured into this weird relationship with this aging actress but, and her like oh, foreboding mansion in the Hollywood Hills. Nolan, the only loves... thing that doesn't work about Sunset Boulevard today mm-hmm. is like that area of LA doesn't look anything like that today. But I mm. wonder if you still do it as a period piece and still have it take place yeah. in the time that the original movie is set. Uh-huh. But just, you know, film no it one's done today. period pieces before too. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I'm thinking this doesn't work. work. That doesn't work. It's not like the best click in my like, head. If I was like Sunset Boulevard's a genuine, like I would want to see this remade. Christopher Nolan wouldn't be my first choice for uh-huh. the director, but he's not the worst choice for the director. It's true. And plus, I mean, everyone's going to go see what Christopher Nolan does anyway, right? Not the first, but not the worst. Exactly, exactly. And our final film our is... Our final film is Psycho. By Wes Anderson. already got a remake. Well, you mean the, the Vince, Vaughn, uh, Vince one. Vaughn one? That's different. We don't talk about that one. But, but Wes Anderson Psycho... Okay, if you want to know what this looks like, you could already look up the SNL Wes Anderson directing a horror oh movie Oh my skit. gosh, it's true. It's so great. And it's that's funny. exactly what this is going to look like. Okay. I would live is it Ed Norton as Wes Anderson direct this shower scene with all his little symmetrical frames. I think it'd be incredible. How It would be interesting to see him do that because you kind of have to hide uh, Norma Bates, right? Yes, exactly. So, and like... how It's like you... a very like central like it's like a very centered shot of like the silhouette of uh-huh. norma with the knife and, and the knife comes up on one side and then you just see it coming through the curtain yes and it's all hyper instead of black and white it's hyper colorized oh yes like, it's like pastel <laughs> like love inverted instead of like the blood coming out being chocolate syrup the blood comes out and it's like cake like uh frosting colors yes, exactly right? like teals and like light pinks yes and <laughs> The bat that's like the bathroom tile. The bathroom tile it's like a it's like a pastel green uh-huh. uh shower tile with like a light pink curtain, like this very pristine. But see the issue here bathroom. is like it is an SNL skit, right? It's like 
you watch it and you're like laughing. You're not watching it and you're not freaked out. You're not exactly. Like, there's no suspense. There's I don't no know thriller. that he could do it in like a way that would come off as like sincere or genuine. That's my concern uh-huh. here. You could easily do it. Like you could adapt it, but it would look like a pastiche or satire. Yeah. It wouldn't look genuine. And is it Ed Norton as Norma or Norman? Be, right? right? Or, yeah. Owen Wilson. Or no. Maybe even. Um, I mean, Schwartzman. So many people. Yeah, Jason Schwartzman actually could work really well. Um, Bill Murray. I was thinking Bill Murray, or who's the other guy that he works with? Um, Who are you thinking? He's like a little bit less... Bob Balaban. Oh, okay. I don't know. I still think the best fit is Ed Norton. I think... Ed Norton, but Jason Schwartzman's up there, too. I like that, too. Okay. Maybe he's the understudy when he does it live. Well, who's the actress that gets, you know... Oh, uh, what's her... Okay. um, Well, I don't know. It could be anyone. You could pull like a Drew Barrymore scream type of thing where it's like. Well, that's kind of what they did in Psycho. Yeah, but Jan- was Janet Lee like a huge actress? I don't know if she was. Mm, she is Jamie's mom, so that's pretty big now in my is. book. Um, it could be any actress that's in like. But like, who's in a Wes Anderson movie? Oh, uh, Frances McDormand. Yeah, or Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, right, Royalty Bombs. But he likes Frances better now. But I think Gwyneth Paltrow fits the the role plus people don't like her yeah people would pay to see her get murdered on screen yeah there we go by ed norton or jason swartzman all right so let's rank these babies i think i'm solidly putting tarantino's wizard of oz at the bottom i don't care yeah there's no value i don't care for it like even though wes anderson you would have given you would have given me tim burton wizard of oz or wes anderson wizard of oz i'm intrigued But no, Tarantino, Wizard Tarantino, Wizard of Oz, absolutely no. not. And then I if think we would have just swapped these two with Psycho and Wizard of yes, Oz, yes, hundred percent. But no, no Tarantino, mm-hmm. Oz. I think Wes Anderson, Psycho is, is next. next to go. Yes, because it's a comedy. It's not what it's supposed to be. It would never be what it needs to be. Then I think I'm going Nolan. These two are interesting. I think Burton's the better chick. I, but the, the Burton twist. I think like he you, could do it, but it would also. I don't know that it would translate. I don't, what am I trying to say? I don't think it fulfills the same emotional messaging hmm. as the original film. Interesting. But I think Nolan's adaptation of Sunset Boulevard achieves a similar goal. Yeah. I think Tim Burton follows the story, the same storyline, but you get a different outcome or a different like okay. feeling, but you don't get that like cheery, lighthearted, That's like true. everything's but- great at Christmas time. Like Tim Burton is, is always going to skew things where it's a little bit like darker and uh-huh. creepier. But here's the thing though. I can like imagine like the way you pitched the tim burton movie to me like i saw that and i can see this happening and like i can see a reason why you want that to happen with when we're talking about nolan sunset boulevard like anybody could like direct the sunset boulevard the visual style is more distinct but what i'm saying is like i i think if you're just judging it in terms of like how effective it is as a remake of the original Mm. movie i think sunset boulevard by nolan is truer to the original source than the wonderful life. interesting but are we trying to go for truer to the original source or are we trying to go for like what would be the more interesting adaptation i don't know like that would also still be good well i'm not talking about those pieces <laughs> of shit um i don't know see like if you gave me uh wes anderson uh sunset boulevard that would be really interesting yeah that'd be really interesting too christopher nolan i think this this adaptation suffers because nolan's directorial style is not as distinct as the mm-hmm. other ones that but we've see, mentioned but if you gave me nolan but, psycho i'd be super hyped for that but how is that more distinct in his visual style than like this is because it's this more is also like, like a noir i guess you're right drama thriller hmm. i don't know i'm still i dig in burton's wonderful it's life. definitely more distinct it's more like iconic mm-hmm. but yeah i don't we know. can settle it burton wonderful life is ryan's winner 
Nolan Sunset Boulevard's Tyler's Winner. Let us know what you think. Yeah. And which one of these you'd be more interested in. Write us an email. Is it Tarantino's Wizard of Oz? If so, you're wrong. No, I'll it's entertain, not. Oh, wait, yeah. I'll I enter- thought you were talking about Burden again. My I'll bad. entertain an uh, argument for Anderson's Psycho. I just don't think it would achieve what it needs to be. But it could be like a funny SNL skit. They already did it. <laughs> it know. was funny. I loved it. <laughs> well, that was a lot of fun. I liked that game. That was a really fun game. All right, Ryan, before we wrap up this episode, we do need to go back over the movie. It's hard because we just talked about four brand new movies, but we need to think back <laughs> to the previous four movies. The other four movies, yes. You know, the the meat of this episode. The Gucci and Kanto yeah. pizza story ones. Yes, exactly. And we need to know which of these trailers that we talked about today is your most favorite and which of the movies we discussed are you most excited to see? Okay. I think... My favorite trailer of the day was actually Licorice Pizza. It gave me the good vibes. I loved the Bowie song behind it. I'm in tr- like excited to see what's happening in this movie. But the movie I'm most excited to see is House of Gucci. Like I'm enthralled. I want to know what happens in this crime of this like high fashion family. Ridley Scott just like hit it out of the park with Last Duel. Adam Driver's had a hell of a year. Lady Gaga's coming back. Jared Leto's doing Mario. I'm in. So those are my picks. My votes are falling exactly in line with yours, Ryan. Licorice Pizza is my favorite trailer, but House of Gucci is a movie I'm most excited to see. I feel like I'm I'm missing out on more if I don't see House of Gucci, whereas Licorice Pizza, I feel like I've already gotten a little taste of what that's going to be like. Mm. And I'm interested to see the full of it, but House of Gucci is like, I need to see the movie to figure out the answers to like the, yes. the mystery. And Licorice Pizza is a little bit more like, do I want to know sort of how the movie, like on a more meta level, how the movie frames this plot? Mm-hmm. Sure. But like, I kind of get what the basic, the aesthetic and the vibe. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's so that why we I categorize them the same. We have another but tie. tie. But you know what that means? Paul Thomas Anderson and Ridley Scott. Fight to the death. Oh my gosh. It's the last duel. Sanctioned by the previewees. But you know what that also means? Fight. It means that Lin-Manuel is not P-Godding. <laughs> well, well, he could still win a previewee. This is not a previewee, right? It's true. This is just an episode award. But that's like the equivalent in the film industry to like a Critics' Choice Award. It's like low level. It's true. But once again, he's a loser. That's all I'm trying to say. (laughs) Sorry. I actually, I don't think he sucks. I'm actually probably going to go watch uh, Tick, 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 Boom boom tonight. But I really, you know, it's complex. But you're you're cool. I actually really liked In the Heights, Lynn. Sorry about that. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Follow us on TikTok. No, we're not on TikTok. What the fuck am I saying? Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter and And Instagram. Instagram. You'll find out when new episodes are coming out. And we love you. And thanks for listening. Maybe tweet at us or send us an email at previewreview at gmail.com. And make sure to like and subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. Bye. Bye.